The House and Senate are now both in recess and will not return until mid-September. Last week in the House, though, the House did come back on Friday to take up H.R. 5376, the reconciliation bill improperly named the Inflation Reduction Act. We'll see about that. That bill had passed the Senate five days earlier on a 50-50 to vote where the tie had been broken by Vice President Kamala Harris. On a straight party-line vote, the House passed the bill by a vote of 220 to 207. It now goes to President Biden for his signature sometime later this week. And then the House was done. Now, more on the Iran nuclear deal. The Biden administration and its European allies are desperate to get Iran to agree to come back under the terms of the 2015 Iran nuclear deal, so much so that they're getting ready to give Iran a pass on fessing up to its earlier development work on a prohibited nuclear weapons program. The International Atomic Energy Agency is tasked with, among other things, verifying, quote, through its inspection system that states comply with their commitments under the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty and other non-proliferation agreements to use nuclear material and facilities only for peaceful purposes, end quote. Iran is a signatory to the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. That means Iran has pledged to the rest of the treaty's signatories, most of the rest of the countries in the world, that it will not seek to use nuclear material and facilities for military purposes. Any effort by Iran to develop nuclear weapons would put it in violation of this treaty pledge. Consequently, Iran does not want anyone thinking it's developing nuclear weapons or that it ever tried to develop nuclear weapons. The problem is the IAEA has evidence that sure makes it appear as if Iran did try to develop nuclear weapons. At three undeclared sites in Iran, the IAEA in 2019 found traces of enriched uranium, indicating that Iran at one time had a nuclear weapons development program. Iran has denied that, but the agency's Board of Governors censured Iran in June for its inadequate explanation. Western governments have accused the Iranian government of hindering the IAEA's ability to investigate. Iran insists the IAEA end its investigation. The IAEA refuses to do so. Iran is so determined to shut down this international investigation that it's been telling the Western powers that want it back in compliance with that 2015 nuclear deal that it will not agree to do so until the IAEA investigation is closed once and for all. Sounds like a Mexican standoff. And it was. Until last week when the European Union negotiator offered a major concession to Iran as an inducement to get Iran to come back to the terms of the 2015 Iran nuclear deal. If Iran were to answer the IAEA's questions, quote, with a view to clarifying them, end quote, and the agency were to confirm in a report that Tehran has cooperated, then the United States and other signatories to the 2015 agreement would urge the IAEA Board of Member States to close the investigation. IAEA Chief Rafael Grossi has vowed never to abandon the investigation without first hearing from Iran where the enriched uranium originated and where it is now. But this new diplomatic maneuver puts all kinds of pressure on him and his agency. If Iran agrees, then the hopes of all the governments involved would rest on his agency's assessment of Iran's cooperation. 
Meanwhile, the Biden administration last Wednesday unsealed an indictment against a member of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, charging him with masterminding a plot to assassinate former Trump National Security Advisor John Bolton in retaliation for President Trump's order to kill Iranian terrorist leader General Qasem Soleimani. In addition, say U.S. government sources, they believe the Iranian was also plotting to assassinate former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Stay tuned. Now to the news heard around the world. Last Monday evening, we heard news of an unprecedented event, something that had never before happened in the history of our country. Agents of the Federal Bureau of Investigation raided a former president's home. By week's end, the search warrant and the inventory of items removed from the home had been released, but they left as many questions to be answered as we had at the start of the week. At issue, if we believe what the FBI and the DOJ apparently want us to believe, is President Trump's retention of presidential records that belong to the federal government, including some documents that are highly classified. According to the inventory of items removed from Mar-a-Lago that was released to the media on Friday, the FBI removed 11 sets of documents of varying degrees of classification. Four sets were marked top secret, three sets marked secret, and three sets marked confidential. There was also one set of documents marked, quote, various classified PSSCI documents. TSSCI is short for Top Secret Sensitive Compartmented Information, and information bearing this classification level is only supposed to be read in certain secure facilities. According to the search warrant, the FBI agents who searched Mar-a-Lago were looking for evidence of three potential violations of federal law, a section of the Espionage Act that makes it a crime to possess or share national defense secrets without prior I'm sorry, without proper authorization to do so, a law prohibiting the destruction or concealment of documents for the purpose of blocking an investigation, that is, obstruction of justice, and a law banning stealing, destroying, or mutilating government records. In other words, though we heard an awful lot about it during the course of the week, the 1978 Presidential Records Act which was created in the wake of the Watergate scandal when former President Richard Nixon wanted to take with him documents and audio tapes, that law did not come into play when it came time to seek a search warrant. That's because the Presidential Records Act is not a criminal law. There is no criminal sanction for violating it. And because it's not a criminal law, the FBI couldn't get a search warrant based on a potential violation of it because you can only get a search warrant to look for evidence of a crime. That said, it seems clear President Trump did hold in his possession at Mar-a-Lago certain documents that, under the terms of the Presidential Records Act, do not legally belong to him. The letters North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un wrote to Trump, for example, or the document that pardoned Trump consultant Roger Stone. But those weren't the documents that led to the FBI raid. According to press reports during the course of the week, The former president and his attorneys have been engaged in a back and forth with DOJ attorneys since Trump left the White House last year. DOJ has been concerned about classified documents he may have held onto and has been trying to get them back from him. According to a report in the New York Times over the weekend, at least one Trump lawyer, quote, signed a written statement in June asserting that all material marked as classified and held in boxes in a storage area at Mr. Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence and club have been returned to the government. 
end quote. And this statement, quote, offers a possible indication that Mr. Trump or his team were not fully forthcoming with federal investigators about the material. And it could help explain why a potential violation of a criminal statute related to obstruction was cited by the department as one basis for seeking the warrant used to carry out the day-long search of the former president's home on Monday, end quote. According to investigative journalist John Solomon, President Trump's office told him on Friday that, quote, the classified materials the FBI seized from his Mar-a-Lago estate were declassified under a standing order while he was president that allowed him to take sensitive materials to the White House residence at night to keep working, unquote. The President of the United States is the ultimate authority on classification. He can declassify anything he wants at any time. So this puts an interesting twist on things for sure. One thing you may have heard is that some of the laws in question include a provision that says anyone who violates them is ineligible to hold federal office. Early in the week, a Democrat Uber lawyer, Mark Elias, posted such a suggestion to his Twitter feed, suggesting that the media was missing the bigger point. This wasn't about getting Trump. This was about disqualifying him from running for a second term in the White House. But most constitutional scholars seem to agree that the qualifications for the presidency are set by the Constitution and cannot be altered by statute. The magistrate judge who signed the search warrant is named Bruce Reinhardt. He's a donor to Barack Obama for president and to Jeb Bush for president. Less than two months ago, in a case President Trump brought against former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, Judge Reinhardt recused himself under a section of the law that reads, quote, any justice, judge, or magistrate judge of the United States shall disqualify himself in any case in which his impartiality might reasonably be questioned, unquote. Judge Reinhardt did not specify what disqualified him from overseeing the case of Trump versus Clinton, but it does raise an interesting question. If he didn't think he could be impartial in the case of Trump v. Clinton, why did he think he could be impartial when he signed this search warrant two weeks ago last Friday? That's our Washington Report for this week. 